Hi everyone, my name is Mare Verk and welcome to Life on the Farm. Hi everyone and welcome back to another week at Life on the Farm. This week I am so excited to have a special guest on and it's actually International Women's Day the day that this goes up so I'm super excited for the overlap. Definitely did not plan this but it worked out perfectly. And so today's guest is Dr. Emily Hollinghurst. She is a board certified oncology pharmacist who specializes in oral oncolytics at a large academic medical center in Southern California. She's a graduate from Loma Linda University School of Pharmacy, completed her postgraduate residencies at Loma Linda University Medical Center, and is a licensed advanced practice pharmacist. In addition to her current duties as a full-time clinical pharmacist, she precepts pharmacy residents and students and teaches advanced pharmacology to nurse practitioner students. She is a wife and mom of two beautiful children. She enjoys gardening, interior design, cycling, and spending time with family. Dr. Hollinghurst is also an advocate for clean and safe beauty standards and products. And just as a disclaimer, all opinions and words are her own. So let's go ahead and get into it and meet Dr. Emily Hollinghurst. Hi, Emily. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I'm so excited to get to talk and get to know one another. Of course. I really have no words because <laughs> I, I love your podcast and I've actually sent it to some of my students so that they can not only learn from you and then also just to learn because I really like, you know, I think that's how I got into pharmacy was being, you know, listening to other pharmacists and what other people do in this career. So um, I appreciate it. Oh, so. thank you so much. I really appreciate that. That's so kind of you to say. And I hope it's helpful. That's kind of my goal with it. And so hopefully me sharing and kind of rambling about what happens during the week is of use to someone. And so I hope younger students can take something away from it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I, that's how we learn is by mm -hmm. like what others do and then incorporating it into our life if it does work for us or not. And so, I mean, that's how we learn from our preceptors. Oh, know? yeah, totally. We We'll go ahead and get started then. And I'll just ask you the first question, uh, which is why did you pursue a career in pharmacy? Oh, such a, such a vast, <laughs> I have little points to myself so that I could stay on track. My okay. <laughs> you like to talk a lot. Sometimes you get off on tangents, but mm -hmm. um, I'm okay with that. Uh, that's who me I am. Me too. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so kind of just going back, I've always been interested in science. I really do not know where that came about, maybe because my dad was a high school science teacher for a couple of years when I was younger. And then he um, actually for the past 30, how old is my brother? Like 33 years has um, sold surgical equipment. So he goes into surgeries. He like shows surgeons and other nurses and other um, like the um, surge techs and stuff, how to use certain products. So he's always kind of I mean, I was looking at like, uh, yeah, I, I was doing like history day projects on like the laparoscopic cholecystectomy, which is gallbladder removal. Like what, who does that? Like, yeah. <laughs> that's very cool. Yeah. No, who does? <laughs> well, it's just a gallbladder, like just laparoscopic cholecystectomy. It's just like how we used to remove gallbladders versus now we use lap it's laparoscopic. So yeah, yeah, it's just like, what a nerd. And then, um, <laughs> And then my mom was a nurse, so uh, oh, cool. I grew up, she was a NICU nurse for, I don't know how, I mean, from the time she was done with nursing school till I was probably in like junior high, and then she went into infection control, so that's where I get a lot of my, you know, public health promotion and vaccines and infectious disease promotion on my like Instagram and stuff from. Yeah, she's my guru for that. And then <laughs> now she's um, a director. Uh, she actually works at the same hospital I do now, but she worked at another hospital for multiple years, but then switched over. So I've just always had the, them and they were bio majors. Um, and so I've always had them as my thing. And so I've always just been interested in science. Like I loved I took AP bio and AP chem and in high school. And then obviously I was like, I'm going to be pre-med and, oh yes, <laughs> and I actually played college softball. So that's like another like, oh, like tidbit. But, um, so I always wanted to be like pre-med 
I was pre-med and played softball, but then just kind of a wrench got thrown in those plans, like, you know, how we plan for everything. And then wrenches are always thrown in. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. um, so I, I did end up graduating with a bio degree, but, um, along the way I was like, I don't know if I want to go to medical school. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know there's something wrong with it. It's just something that, I, Oh, you know what it was? It was like, Oh, I don't want to do like all these years of residency. Then I, then I end up only doing one year shy short of like, inter- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, okay. And then, um, and then I was like, okay, what else can I do with this biology degree? And so um, I looked at dentistry and I looked at orthodontics and uh, I, I just, it wasn't, it just wasn't for me. Like it's, mm-hmm. I love it. I, I think it's fascinating. I love looking at like my x-rays when I go to the dentist and stuff, but oh yeah, <laughs> I think it was more of like, what turned me off from that was I could not like do my own business kind of thing. Like I could mm. work somewhere, but I just, that wasn't just, just, it wasn't something that I wanted to do. It's nothing on that profession whatsoever. Um, and then one of my friends from college who was a year ahead of me that we went to college together and had um, all of our like upper division science classes. Uh, he went to pharmacy school. So, um, and he went to the same pharmacy school that I went, to, that I ended up going to. And um, so we would study together at Panera, like study together. <laughs> and fun, fun. He would show me like what he was doing in school. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I really, that's so cool. I like, and I was in OCHEM at the time. And then he was showing me all the stuff he was doing in pharmaceutics. And then in their first year of pharmacy school, they had to do a project on all different types of pharmacists. And um, so I was like, really? Like, wow, I didn't realize. I I guess it's just like with everyone, we don't really realize what pharmacists can do until someone shows us what they can do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so I ended up working for um, working in the lab and doing lab work with one of the um, with the biochem professor at the school of pharmacy that I went to. And um, I worked in his lab and my 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 time on my timeline on applying to schools was kind of thrown off a little bit just because of my softball career kind of ending and then me being kind of forced during that to change my major to work out more with softball because I was getting a scholarship that's just a whole nother story and yeah so I pretty much crammed like biology into two years uh pretty much uh where Mm -hmm. and um yeah so I ended up applying to pharmacy school and I got in and the rest is history and then I also shadowed before I applied to pharmacy school I shadowed um the cardiology pharmacist at um, the medical center that I now work at. And then I still ask him questions about cardiology. It's just really fun, like full circle it was. And I got to see him on rounds. Like I was a student at, you know, an undergrad. I didn't even know what really pharmacists did. And I, he was, he would take people and kind of have them shadow him. Um, and this is like, obviously like pre- COVID and stuff right and I I got to see him on rounds and him being shoulder to shoulder with these medical residents and physicians and telling them how to write orders and I was like this is what I want to do and oh yeah I ended up doing that so Oh, very cool. Yeah, no, it sounds like quite the journey, which I think it makes it that much more exciting and interesting and like really allows you to like reflect back on how far you've come. And it's I love a full circle moment as well. So I love that you were able to then see him on rounds and what he does. And I feel like I had a similar experience of being able to shadow seeing what it looks like to be a pharmacist and being like, this is this is what I want to do. Like, this is amazing. Yeah. And I, that's why I love moving forward, like really want to be able to do that for others. And I know that you've been able to do that for others as a preceptor and whatnot. So I think that's really cool as well. And I think on the topic of oncology and whatnot, and launching off of kind of what got you into pharmacy, what got you into becoming an oncology pharmacist in particular? I know you're board certified too. So if you could just talk about what that looks like and kind of what that process was for yourself. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, So I, uh, in, during pharmacy school, I started interning um, at the hospital that I now still work at. So I was an intern there as well. Um, so I went into, I knew I wanted to be in hospital. So that's why I went and did a hospital internship. 
Um, mm-hmm. So at the hospital that I worked at when I was a, an intern, we did, um, you know, made IVs, delivered medication, you know, the whole shebang. Um, we worked uh, with the technicians. I think that's like the most valuable experience that I had is learning from the technicians I worked with. And mm-hmm. so I got to, um, and, and that's what I did. Like after school, I worked in the OR too. That was a lot of fun. And um, so uh but during school or during the, sorry, during the summer, um, they would, we would, you know, there could be an influx of all these interns now able to work. And so they would actually, at the time that I don't think they do this anymore, but um, they would have us go on many rotations with the clinical specialist and help them with any tasks that they needed us to help them out with. Um, and so I, got paired up with, uh, two different spots. I first worked in the cancer center. Um, and that was when it, it was uber small. I think there was only two pharmacists, one or two technicians. And at that time we were on paper orders and I'm so dating myself. Oh, wow. But oh no, no. I'm like 34, but I like, well, we were on paper orders. <laughs> like, no, thing, things progress really quickly, especially in the early 2000s. So, you know, this is totally understandable. I sound so like, I sound so old. And um, no, no. We, were on, we were on paper orders and literally they had me um, make copies of the chemo orders. And that's what I did. But I didn't just sit like there and like hate my life. I actually looked through the chemo orders. I'm like, why do we give mannitol with high doses platin? Like, why? Why is this this way? And I would look at the orders. And then what was really cool is like the physicians would rock by and say hi, and then like the nurses. And then um, when I was done doing some of those, and I would go through and clean out charts and just do a lot of things that like things that the pharmacist needed to do, but they were so busy doing other, you know, doing other things. So then I would shadow them. I would go sit with them when they were doing uh, an education because um, at the cancer center that um, where I'm affiliated with and just actually as a whole, all the pharmacists do chemo education. Um, so it's done. By- oh, cool. So I got to see them do education and then they would let me go in with one of the oncologists and go and with him and see patients in the clinic. And I just, I loved it. It wasn't a somber thing. It was learning and, and new and these patients just wanted to, wanted your help so bad. And they wanted to make sure that they were doing everything right. And, you know, and that's what we were there for. And so that's, kind of what sparked it. And then I got to go on the inpatient side and work with the person who's now my mentor and best friend and ended up being my residency director. But she um, was the inpatient oncology pharmacist. And she had been there since the late 90s. And she trained at City of Hope and MD Anderson. And she just had the utmost respect from the physicians and nurse practitioner and stuff. And so I got to work with her and I actually, so funny, this is another full circle, but I got, to, uh-huh. I got to work on, they had just started up or she was working on starting up the oncology pharmacy residency. And so oh. he, I would help her with all the ASHP um, uh, residency objectives and write syllabi and kind of uh, make things, I think they were on their first resident or that first resident, something like that, but like with the first mm-hmm the first of the program. And then in the, that, that's what we would do in the morning. Cause they would round in the afternoon. And then on the afternoon, I would get to sit there and listen to rounds and go on rounds with them. I wasn't, I had in no way any input in anything. Um, <laughs> Cause I was a student, I wasn't even on like a clinical rotation. Like I was mm-hmm. a second year student. And um, then after that on the, on Christmas breaks and holidays. Um, and then in the summer I would go back and work with her and I would go back and work in the cancer center. So I kind of, that was my intro to oncology. And then I loved the inpatient side. God, I can't tell you how much I love treating leukemia and, um, writing orders and doing all that stuff. So I actually full circle became that inpatient oncology pharmacist. I uh, did a PGY-1 at the medical center um, 
that I still work at. And then I did my PGY2 there in oncology. So it was inpatient and outpatient and just worked so shoulder to shoulder with the fellows and the residents and, and the physicians, nurse practitioner and um, all the pharmacists there. And uh, so I'm still there today and I love it. And um, also my uncle had APL, uh, acute promyelocytic leukemia, and now I get to treat the patients and the drugs that he, that we treat now weren't around when he was diagnosed. And um, so now I get to see patients that are still alive multiple years later when I, when I was taking care of, you know, when I was a part of their care on the inpatient side. So it's, it's just a lot of full circle things. It's like never ending full circle, especially <laughs> with oncology. Mm-hmm. So especially now that a lot of it's becoming a chronic disease with all the drugs that we have. So um, right, right, yeah, that's why I got into oncology. And so after my PGY2 transitioned into that role, um, so I was 2014 and um, I took my BCOP exam 2016. And I wanted to make sure that I had a little bit of time under my belt. And it was, it was easier to take that test because I was in it practicing every day. So Mm -hmm. I did study my butt off and went to the board reviews and stuff, but it was nice because on the exam, I was like, okay, I can close my eyes and see, you know, just see what I've done um, to, or, or see what my colleague, she was the pediatric um she still is the pediatric stem cell transplant pharmacist and so I was like okay I know that she does this for these patients and (laughs) you know could close my eyes and and see it so um yeah I would just say all that training um led up to to that and getting um getting board certified so yeah Absolutely. Yeah, no. And I think you made a great point about even just making copies of the chemo orders is like, there's so much to be taken away from something that can seem so mundane. I think for me, when I think about med recs, like throughout pharmacy school, like they could be med recs, just med recs, and you take that information down, or they could be your opportunity to really familiarize yourself with what their indication is, what their dosing is, like really what their mechanism of action is. And I think that's probably one of, yeah, the biggest things to take away from positions or opportunities where you feel like maybe it might not serve a purpose. And I don't know, you've listened to the podcast, you probably heard me say it's really about what you put into something that you take out of it. And so I think that that's just shows even more so, especially now that you are a board certified oncology pharmacist. So I think that's incredible. Yeah, I, I, any, any task that you do should never think, and that's why I tell my students, like, you should never mm-hmm. think, well, I'm above this, so I shouldn't be doing that. Exactly. That's, exactly. It's you into trouble. And that's what, also, <laughs> that's what also other people are like, well, shoot, then I'm not even going to ask you that question or to help you help me out. Like mm-hmm. you, uh, that's, that's what I take away from my internship as being so um, so valuable is doing is making IVs. And that's how I studied was just making IVs every single and labeling things. I actually loved it. I think it was like therapeutic to label oral syringes and, and like, Oh yeah. I don't know (laughs) what it is. It's just like this like process, but that made pharmacy school so much easier. Oh Mm -hmm. my gosh. So much easier. Um, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't think that we should, like if you're a pharmacist, you have to be able to step in for if your technician's not there, they've stepped away. Like you have to be able to do everything in that pharmacy because you're the pharmacist. So exactly. No, that's a great point. Yeah. Thank you for touching upon that as well. Yeah. And I guess kind of just going off of then from completing your residency, becoming board certified. And now that you are in the position you are in, uh, what does a day in your life look like? Kind of what is uh, your role and your responsibilities? Yeah. So actually now I'm not the inpatient oncology pharmacist. I actually left. So I did that from 2014 to 2018. I had my first baby and I just was, it was just at a point where um, I kind of just wanted a little bit of a change. I loved where I work. It was mm-hmm. so hard to leave. God, it was so hard to leave that hospital. And I went and worked. Um, I I just happened upon a posting when I was just looking through things. And it was a, um, prog- it was a, a job at Cigna, actually, the insurance company. And um, I 
it was, they were looking for an oncology pharmacist and turns out it was like the PBM side of, um, so pharmacy benefit manager side of Cigna, um, under their pharmacy management and they needed, they were looking for someone a little bit more clinical, not necessarily with PBM experience. Um, so when I came there, it was like deer in the headlights with (laughs) PBM side of things. I bet. Yeah. Um, but I got to work actually and still talk to one of the oncologists that works there. And um, we got to kind of review. It was it was PBM stuff. So it was, you know, preferring drugs over the other, um, you know, looking for opportunities uh, for cost savings for clients and um, et cetera. So but I only worked there for eight months. Um, I really missed teaching and precepting and talking to patients and then um, in 2018, I had gotten my advanced practice pharmacist license too. And so I just was working from home was actually not well suited for me. Um, just being talkative and needing to, I don't know, just be outside of the house. It's just me. That's just me. And yeah, no, I feel that too. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, and my, my, I, my daughter was still in daycare. Like I still would take her cause I couldn't be on like professional meetings with like 50 executives, you know, and lawyers <laughs> and finance people um, with a toddler in the background. So um, I uh, went and I, I actually went back to, I went back to where I am now and I actually work in the specialty pharmacy. So I focus on oral oncolytics in our specialty pharmacy. So we actually have an in-house, um, we're off-site, but it's in-house um, specialty pharmacy. So we service cancer center, the pulmonology clinics, GI, rheumatology, you name it, any specialty medication, we do it. Um, We don't do any like home infusions or anything like that. We actually have another pharmacy that does that, but all the oral oncology in the world that comes through us. So day in the life of what I do now, and I love oral oncology. Like, I think that that Mm -hmm. is, oh, I just love it. I don't know what it is about it, but (laughs) I love it. I think it's because of how involved a pharmacist needs to be in that Um, Mm -hmm. handling, storage, administration with or without food, uh, what time of the day, like coming up with schedules for patients and and the wonky schedules because now they're responsible at home. They don't just come into the cancer center and sit there and get an IV infusion. Now they have to be the ones remembering to take their medications. And so, um, and oral oncology has just exploded in terms of how many drugs, you know, are now in the market. And then our pharmacy now is URAC accredited. Um, so that's, a, if those don't know, I would just Google URAC, but it's, a, a, yeah. <laughs> and it's accreditation that we needed to have in order to have more access to certain oncolytics and stuff, oral oncolytics. So and day in the life, I come in, I do 10 hour shifts. So I work for 10 hour shifts. Um, it's nice to do the 10 hours because from the, our hours in the pharmacies open, I can do things before and after like we're open. Um, so that's mm-hmm. kind of nice. And then I have a day off during the week. Um, and then the pharmacists that I work with, um, we, we all kind of share duties, but they definitely have me, you know, focusing on the oral oncology I mean, that's what I love. So I'm, <laughs> I'm like, just give it to me. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so, but it's nice because I get to be exposed to all these other drugs too, Dupixin and, um, you know, all these new cool drugs that we have for so many different disease states. Um, so, uh, and hep C, oh, what another cool, like class of drugs, hep C drugs are so cool. Um, anyways, so. I come in, I check my, like, I check messages, I send so many messages through our, um, you know, EMR uh, system, we have Epic. So uh, it's nice because we're all connected. So like, we're, we're a pharmacy that's connected with this whole hospital system. So it's not like we're, we're separate or where I have to like get faxes and stuff. Like I can check the patient's labs in real time. I can check their clinic appointments in real time. I can I know what's going on with them. So I always tell them, even though you don't hear from me, I'm always looking at your chart. So I'm always there <laughs> kind of checking in and seeing what's going on. And it's nice because the patients will 
when I call them to do like an initial assessment, I already have their background. Like I already know about them and I already know what they've been through. So that really helps me to gauge on where they're at in their treatment Um, Mm -hmm. and check emails and messages and follow up on things that I had recommended. Um, I really have to stay on, on top of that um, and like prioritize what I'm doing that day um, because then things can just kind of pile up. Um, But I also um, like we at our pharmacy, we do, we call for refills. We don't do automatic refills. And we've really set a precedence on that because especially with oral oncolytics, we I've always been taught to treat them like IV chemo, like they're still mm-hmm. chemotherapy. Some of them don't really cause so much vinyl suppression, but they're so toxic. So you don't, you don't also just want to like send bottles and bottles and bottles of oral oncolytics to patients that are not number one, not on them anymore, had a dose reduction so we kind of take it cycle by cycle. So, so I always tell patients cycle by cycle, just like you would if you're getting IV chemo, we check your labs, we make sure everything's safe. So I go through and um, give the thumbs up or um, thumbs down or just, hey, I need to wait and for, you know, to see, have the patient see the physician before we refill the medication. So we do a lot of communication between the nurses and the oncologist Um it's nice because we can like chat on our um, electronic medical record. I don't know if you've worked with Epic, but you can like secure chat. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it's really so, useful. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. oh, hey, uh, the ANC, you know, doesn't need this. I recommend uh, this. Do you want to hold, you know, eye brands? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great. So it's so nice. Mm-hmm. It's just like working on inpatient side, honestly. And, oh, yeah. Uh, so I give the... I work with our navigators because they are the ones who mainly do um, calls for refills. And so uh, we'll go through our system. We have like a separate monitoring system. And so I'll say like, good to go, not good to go. So I have to do chart checks and stuff for that um, and look at labs for specific drugs. Um, and we have pretty much access to like all, but like, I think six oral oncolytics. So we're, we're pretty heavy on what we dispense. And, um, there's, there's no really like any, uh, any interference with that. And then, um, I do, I have initial assessments. So like new prescriptions for all new patients on new therapy, we do an initial assessment. So it's the same, it's allergies, med rec. Um, I already have it there, but I just still do it again with the patient. Cause I need to make like a lot of times the med recs are not right. I can't tell you mm-hmm. times I go through and correct and I'm like, okay, you haven't been on this med for three years. I'm taking <laughs> your profile. Like they're like, yeah, yes, please, thank you. Because people keep asking me about it. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, they're not going to ask you anymore. I will take it off and clean it up. And so I'll clean up that. And then I, you know, uh, m- pretty much I'll start with how they're taking, how they'll take it, how they'll handle, how they're store um, specific things for each drugs. And then I go into specific side effects and then I go into our process of our pharmacy and how we, you know, how we, um, monitor them, what we'll do. Um, it really, my calls with patients are 45 minutes to an hour. So I was like, um, do you have like 45 minutes to an hour? And I really just say that, you know, the difference between, you know, it's a specialty pharmacy. So we have that time to, um, take with them and, and really answer their questions. And especially with oncology, it was the same thing as when I did it on the inpatient side. I mean, I've been doing oral chemo. I mean, just chemotherapy in general, education for so long. So Mm -hmm. it's just, and it's, it's seeing all the patients that I've had in the past and their side effects. And so I give, it's the same thing, you know, making sure you have your supportive care medication. So I'll make those recommendations to the physicians. It's so nice. I can be like, Hey, this patient doesn't have anything for emesis. Can you prescribe, um, you know, Zofran? Uh, hey, this patient doesn't have any emodium for their uh, Tukaisa or Neurolinix. Those are new oral breast cancer medications, which they need to like have something on hand. One of them, you have to be on emodium for fifty-six days straight around the oh, wow. when you start it. So okay, those little, those little nuanced things that. Or, hey, this patient's on temozolomide with um, radiation for glioblastoma. I need, they need to be on PCP prophylaxis. You know, just making those, mm-hmm. that's where we come in 
and where pharmacists really make that difference is making sure they have their supportive care medication. So that, and then I'll make sure I'll, I'll help the nurses with lab and monitoring parameters and um, that kind of thing. So it's very, uh, you know, um, it's, I feel like I still have that same connection that I did with the nurses and the, and the oncologist that I did when I was on the inpatient side. It look it feels like I never left. That's amazing. Yeah. No, it sounds like a jam-packed day. Oh. And I worked in, a, uh, yeah, I can only imagine. <laughs> I worked in a specialty pharmacy throughout uh, pharmacy school. And so you mentioning oral oncolytics and whatnot, we had like Revlimid, Pomalist, uh, Thalamid and whatnot. And so it's cool just to hear about that. And yeah, I saw the way that that panel functioned and they're quite long counseling sessions, oh, yeah. even with patients who have been on these meds for yep. years. It's so important to follow up with whether or not they're experiencing side effects and even the logistics of mailing it to that patient yep. or having them pick it up. It can be so complicated. So yeah, I can only imagine how long those 10 hour days must be. Yeah, And then, and then on the side, um, so I precept students and residents. So, um, mm-hmm the PGY2 oncology resident, their long, their longitudinal um, kind of clinic project is um, they've, uh, they do oral chemo education for patients that can't get it with our pharmacy. So it's kind of nice because we do the Mm -hmm. same so that that way, all of our patients at our cancer center or getting their cancer treatment with our institution are getting the same education. If our navigators need help with an appeal or prior authorization, I'll help them out with that. Um, or, you know, getting that info and the guidelines to help them, you know, make the case for that. And then um, also, like right now, I'm working with that that on that oncology pharmacy manager who was who's my best friend and preceptor and and mentor. Um, I would say like life guru. Uh, still is my is my uh I still call her my boss even though like she's not my direct supervisor anymore but always Mm going to be my boss but her and I and our EHR um I don't know how to describe her title but the lady that like builds all of our epic plans and stuff on the oncology side me we have a standing um meeting every other week and we're actually building um, just like we have with our IV regimens and sub-Q regimens, we're building pretty much templates for oral oncolytics that way because the, the physicians are so used to having their labs built in there and their supportive care plans for IV regimens, but they don't, that's why some things get missed with oral oncolytics um, because it's not like built in. So you have to remember oh, okay. to prescribe it, but now like for the temozolomide ones, like regimens, like we're building the labs. How often you need the labs? What are the parameters for when you start? Like ANC and platelets. And then what supportive care meds do you need based off of the emetic potential of the drug and what other supportive care? So since I, in the trenches, um, I help them with that. So pretty much building what I want it to look like. Absolutely. No, it probably makes your life easier so too. Since it's, yeah. yeah. No, like, okay. Now with your affinator, then I don't have to worry about making sure the patient has dexamethasone oral solution for their mouth rinse. And, you know, like it's just all that supportive care and, and labs. Um, it just makes the nurse's job easier and everyone so that it's all in one place and you know what the parameters are. So yeah, we're, I, yeah built, I help I help with that every other week and then I have like drug rep meetings and stuff for some of the special specialty meds and um, then we have you know administration meetings and things for our pharmacy to make sure we continue our URAC accreditation so it's a lot of admin stuff on the side too but um, a lot of my job is communicating with um, clinics and um, patients and stuff so That's great. Yeah, no, absolutely. I feel like, and that's probably one of the biggest things is like, I think that's probably the constant, right? Is that you're able to offer education on a day in day out basis to patients. And that's, that's amazing. So, and I think also another aspect that you touched upon really briefly and kind of leads into my next question is you mentioned working with a PGY2 and I know you hold other positions as well on top of Mm -hmm. this job. Uh, Did you want to go ahead and talk about what those positions are and how you got involved with them? Because I find that so fascinating. Um, uh, (laughs) 
at our school, um, so at the School of Pharmacy, I do hold a assistant professor um, position too. So um, I have that. I, I used to uh, be involved with teaching in the oncology course, but when I left, uh, like I left for those eight months, I wasn't involved. And then when I came back, it was kind of already um you know, their processes had already been established, but I still teach the students who come into my, you know, rotation and stuff, oncology. So um, I get to just reinforce it with them. Um, and then, uh, so I have that assistant professor position, but I'm not like, you know, paid by them or anything, but I, it, I think it's just being with, you know, a preceptor and affiliated with the school and, and being an alumni. Um, and then, yeah. I am an adjunct professor at actually the same uh, university I went to for undergrad. They have a nursing school and a part of one of their many um, professional schools. So they have uh, an RN program, like an, a BSN program. They have a MSN program, and then they have now a DNP program. And um, at that university, they have all these different, you know, professional schools and stuff, but um, one of my bio professors, it's a little small private school. Um, I mean, small on the scale of like UCSF and like, you know, you know, the universities and, you know, university of California's and stuff. It's a small little private school, but mm-hmm. it's way bigger now than it was when I went there. That's also, what I, that's what I, <laughs> when I went to the bookstore, I was like, man, this is like bookstore used to be like super small. And in my time, I, you know, Yeah. It, things so change far. over time huh I'm like where are the scantron te- and paper tests everything oh my goodness yeah <laughs> and not anymore and um so uh when I was in 2017 the you know what I'm trying to think back so my my husband actually is a nurse practitioner and he he oh, went through cool. that program and when he was in that program um I came in and did like a guest lecture um and I think it was his pathophysiology or some I I talked about cancer I mean obviously that's what I do I somehow that my bio professor from undergrad I was still in in contact with him because I would come back to our like bio club um and I would I they had a pre-pharmacy um student club and so I would come in and talk on that and he He's a pharmacologist, but he taught us um, bio and other bio classes. And then he he got promoted, so he couldn't teach in the pharmacology portion of um, the advanced pharmacology portion of the uh, that advanced it's advanced pharmacology in the masters of nursing program. And he uh, recommended me to the professor, like to the professor who is the course coordinator, um, the main professor. And so she contacted me and I was pregnant with my first baby at the time. I think I went, yeah, it was 2017. So I started teaching in the summer of 2017 in that program. And I would come in and do like one or two lectures here and there. And then I, they, um, kept inviting me back. And then I think in either that year in the fall or the year after they offered me um, an adjunct instead of just like, um, you know, guest uh, lecture um, kind of compensation, they offered me um, an adjunct position. So uh, now I, every, every quarter that that course is, I'm not the main um, course coordinator, but I teach, I would say probably, 70 percent of it now oh very cool yeah because I do do that on my days off um so because Mm -hmm. I work for tens it's kind of nice that on the days that the course is on and I'm off too I can um participate in that and right now it's virtual and stuff so like last week no what not last week but the week before I I was off on the same day that the course was on so on the days that I still have to work, I, they just listen to recorded lectures. Um, and then, uh, on the days that I'm off at the same time, then, um, I will, I'll, I'll teach in person or obviously live virtual. Um, but it's really, 
awesome. I love teaching other professions. So that's why I still do it. Um, now almost four years late. Yeah. Four years. Well, um, because I love teaching other professions. I mean, they, nurses need to work with pharmacists and vice versa. And so, and I do it also because my husband is out there prescribing medications and I just want to make sure that, you know, that profession knows what they're prescribing. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. Totally. So that's where I'm at with that. One. That's amazing. It definitely sounds like you have a lot going on too. And I, I like the point that you made about, I guess it's the interdisciplinary aspect to all of this, because I think there's so much that even like as a pharmacy student, I don't know about what the other professions do and just like having that exposure. And even if someone else were to come to talk about like what they do in their realm of medicine, I think would be so useful just to get a better understanding, like what everyone does as their contribution to the team and whatnot. So I think it's cool that pharmacy has a representative in you to being able to offer that to the master's program. I think that that's one of my things I love the most is, is promoting pharmacy to people who do not know what we do. Um, I I mean, every single pharmacist out there just plays such a huge role. So um, no matter where you're at, uh, we just make a difference in everyone's life so especially now with vaccines and stuff so yeah absolutely yeah no huge in coordinating the effort and really being I think vectors for information and education which I think is so important and even figuring out logistics with it pharmacies around the world the country at least um, if not around the world are the ones kind of spearheading distribution and being able to offer them and so I think that's such a powerful thing to have us be kind of on the front line for that as well. So then I guess in regard to everything, the next question I have is what do you find to be the most rewarding aspect of what you do? Yeah, I can imagine. I think it's that light bulb moment that is so rewarding on whether it's a student or resident or a patient is just seeing the light bulb go on um, when I'm educating about anything, um, whether it's to the nurses on why they're giving antibiotics at certain frequencies or my patients on, you know, why certain side effects happen um, with the drug that they're on and how it works, um, or just teaching my students and residents, you know, just things and reinforcing things that they've learned in school and how to how to talk to patients and have, you know, build relationships with them. I would say that that's the most um, rewarding part. Absolutely. Yeah, no. And as a pharmacy student, I always appreciate when preceptors take the time because I know I I could probably see it in my own eyes, that light bulb go off in my head. So thank you so much to you and every other preceptor who's ever taken the time to allow that moment to take place. Yeah, no, because it really does. It helps so much to because there's so much you learn in pharmacy school that, yes, you know, but to apply it in practice is such a different ball game, And to have somebody take that time and really connect the dots and help walk you through it. It, it goes miles and miles. And I think now as I move toward kind of the next step of eventually being a pharmacist in the next couple of months, I see that same type of light bulb go off in patient's heads. And so it is, yeah, it's an amazing feeling just to kind of see the dots connect because they might take a drug for something and then like, like their blood thinner, they may not understand why they shouldn't mm-hmm. take ibuprofen with it. And so just talking them through it and then them understanding why Tylenol is what <laughs> yeah. they need to be taking or anything with the acetaminophen or to read the back of the box, I think it's just, it's so rewarding and it really goes to show that there is a lot that we can do and offer and all of these different places where we can continue to kind of fill the gap and address some of these inconsistencies definitely. that may be seen. Definitely. Yep, no, definitely. Yeah. And then I guess now moving away from like the pharmacy aspect of everything, I know you're also very much involved with clean beauty products. This was something I'm super naive to. I looked into it briefly, like when I first like met you through Instagram and everything, I was like, oh, I have no idea what this is about. And so I was just wondering, like, how did you become involved with clean beauty and skincare products and kind of like talk about how you fit into that and what your role is and everything? Um, I think it's mainly because (laughs) literally this is what I tell people why I got involved. Um, When I was Mm -hmm. pregnant with my second kid, I was deep cleaning one of our I was on maternity leave and I was like, you know what, I'm going to descale or like lime to scale, um, like mm-hmm. our faucets in our house. And so I went and got like CLR and I was like, mm-hmm. Ooh, is this safe to inhale or like handle <laughs> pregnant before I started doing it? So I just like Google mm-hmm. searched it and then up came a website called the environmental working group. And it's a nonprofit organization. I think it's based out of San Francisco. 
and they have pretty much a database for a bunch. They actually have a bunch of different database databases. They have a household cleaning products database where you can type in your laundry detergent, your fabric softener, your dryer sheets, your multi-purpose cleaner, your hand soap, your dish soap, your dishwasher stuff. And what it does is it kind of, (laughs) I like to say it's what I do as a pharmacist when people tell me about their herbals, where I like look at what are the potential effects that the herbals could have or potential interactions, even though it's not like studied with that, or like, what does that ingredient do? Um, And so what they do is they pretty much give these products ratings based off of skin toxicity, um, pulmonary toxicity or respiratory toxicity, um, endocrine disruption, uh, cancer production or like uh, cancer effects, and then also how it affects the environment. So like water toxicity, um, like what are the byproducts of this product that are going in like your dishwasher pods and they're going into obviously our sewage system through the, you know, drain lines and everything. And so, um, especially what this is during the pandemic. And so I, um, researched literally everything that I was using in my house and also <laughs> like we're putting it on our skin. Like we're using certain wipes to clean things where not everyone wears gloves when they're handling certain things. And our skin as a pharmacist, we know our skin absorbs chemicals because we're topicals right, yeah. on it. And so I was, um, mm-hmm. Obviously, I was using gloves when I was using CLR, but it actually didn't have that bad of a rating. Um, And I literally went through everything I was doing in my house. And then me and my husband have been a little bit more conscious on our plastic consumption. Like, we don't do plastic water bottles anymore. I don't remember the last time I bought them. Oh, yeah. Same. I tried to, like, I have, I carry my hydroflask, like, everywhere. And I'm like, I will fill this up. I will drink out of it. Yeah, totally. put on our body. And then I I created, like, a spreadsheet, typical pharmacist spreadsheet. we love spreadsheets a spreadsheet spreadsheet and gave it to my friends and stuff so a lot of the pretty much head to toe I use beauty counter um it's just because I feel safe putting it on my skin and I know that also it doesn't impact the like it has a better impact on the environment the way it's packaged the way that it well if it goes down the drain that kind of thing so it's kind of all over um not just not just clean for the human being, but clean for the environment too. That makes it even better. So that's awesome. It sounds like there's some great resources too that you mentioned for people such as myself who are unaware of these. So that's really great. Uh, I'll definitely have to check that out. And I'm definitely more interested now in kind of what I'm using. I'm second guessing things now. So totally. Yeah. No, and this, in addition to being a pharmacist and you mentioned your kids and your husband and whatnot, I kind of just want to ask too, how do you maintain whatever you want to call it. I know some people don't like work-life balance, whatever you consider, I guess, like a balance amongst it all. Cause I really do look up to the way that you spend time with your family and you really have these high career goals and your other hobbies and interests. And as someone who's interested in starting a family of my own one day, I was just curious kind of how do you break up your time? And I guess everything having to do with the traditional work-life balance, if you will. I think it's, and when I, when I was looking at your question and thinking about my answer, I was like, yeah, the first thing I said was work in progress. So work balance is a work in okay. progress, especially with little kids. Mm. Um, and their schedules are ever changing, especially as they go through like their first year of life is so, you know, uh, the first three months you're up all night and then they start sleeping better. And then now, it, and then their food, their, their food changes, you know, they're, bottle anymore it's all Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. very um like you really are having to change multiple times so I would say like it's definitely a work in progress um and then uh and then as they get older they're now like my daughter next year is going to be in kindergarten we're like what like in 2020 she's going to be I'm I'm already looking that head in advance but like like oh my god she's gonna be four mm-hmm. this year and then it's gonna be kindergarten so then now like you know school not just daycare kind of thing like coordinating that so I would say it's just 
work-life balance is a work in progress. And then we always constantly have to make adjustments and changes. And then also my husband, um, he's had a few different positions over the past couple of years. And then now he's going into something like a little bit more 8 to 4.30. Um, we thought oh, gotcha, that he yeah. kind of wanted something more 4.10s, but he likes the 8 to 4.30 a little bit more. So um, we've had ever-changing like work schedules. And so pretty much it's just like forming a team and he knows like he's in the medical field and he's been in it for a while and he was a nurse so he and he worked night shifts so he knows like long shifts and that 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 lifestyle so it's really nice because he doesn't like where are you why are you spending time at work that kind of have to finish something yeah he's like I got it don't worry and I I'm the one that's like oh sorry I'm sorry I'm at work and he's like, no, why are you sorry? Like, they're my kids too. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's true. Things that I did differently when I went back from like leaving or like working there for a long time, going to Cigna and then now coming back, I don't have my email, my work email on my phone anymore. Um, I haven't had it since I was, came back in 2019. So that's nice. That's a, a balance. So I'm not like on the weekend checking my work email. Um, and then uh, we do, like when I was on the inpatient side, I um, had a, a pager that was on me all the time. And now um, uh, us pharmacists, we pass it around. So we have like an on-call phone because we are a specialty pharmacy. So we have to have someone on call. So we'll take turns doing that. So that's nice. Um, so I'm not always, you know, on call. I like being on call though. I like taking oh, yeah. calls. I don't mind it at all. Um, but so we pass that around just creating right. boundaries too. Um, uh, you know, you, someone, especially in pharmacists, we're always trying to prove ourselves. So we, we always are trying to, you know, well, I can do this for you. I can do this. But at the same time, someone else needs to be able to do that task when you're not there. It is hard to take time for yourself and self-care, but I, I, I have to be like, Hey, I am going upstairs and I need to uh, do my nails and wash my hair and take care of myself or I need to go for a run. Um, I think just voicing it because when you're deep in the trenches of kids and marriage, you know, it's uh, you have to just be like, I need to go take a break. Honestly, any insight, anything that you've taken away from it is super insightful, at least at the very least for, for me. And so hearing the work in progress, I think that's a really salient point. And I like that you brought that up because I think it is ever changing. And I can imagine like circumstances change. And like you mentioned, your kids, just the where they are in their life and development can change. It's just like then I had grandiose plans of, you know, going going to the beach this morning, <sighs> but we just didn't. And just giving yourself grace for those like plans not working out the way that you want them to and just giving yourself like realistic expectations. That's a great point. These, <laughs> I'm going to keep all these in mind. So thank you so much for sharing. No, of I course. really appreciate it. I guess the last thing to then wrap up, it's a question I ask um, and you've alluded to it earlier, but what advice do you have for pharmacy students? It can be anything in regard to anything. Um, just what is like the number one piece of advice that you have? I would say the number one thing I always tell students that are, I, I ask them like, are you interning anywhere? Like, are you working anywhere? I know that a lot of times in school, it's really about like, number one, you need to stay in school, right? So you have to pass your classes. And right. That's so much pressure. <laughs> like, that's so much pressure. It and then is, you don't yeah. want to like let anyone down. But I think working was studying for me. And, and then, you know, as a pharmacist, you know, like when you go and now work in that pharmacy, like, you know what your technicians are doing and what they've done to get to that point where you're checking off that drug and what you're looking for and things that, um, I don't know. I, 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 I learned so much, um, dealing with, dealing with other healthcare professionals on the phone or not dealing with them, but like interacting with them. Uh, work was, my internship was priceless, man. So priceless. Um, I got to work in the, OR and stuff and, and, and load the anesthesia carts. That was so cool. Um, what a nerd. I'm such a nerd. Oh no, no, there, it is really awesome. I remember my hospital yeah. operations rotation. I like got the opportunity to do that. And I was like, I was blown away. Yeah. I was just like in utter awe. So no, I, I get you. I nerd out on the same exact oh stuff. God. So I love that you talk about that because 
I love everything. Like, I think some people think, like, sometimes I'm like, they're like, how can you be that enthusiastic about the most, like, normal things? And I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. Like, I love this. Like, any of this, I am obsessed with. Because, like, people sometimes are like, well, why are you excited about cancer? And I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. This is the worst. But Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we can take someone and give them more time with their family, better quality of life. Or have a certain leukemia where now we can actually prolong, you know, like it's no, it's the drugs that are so cool, not the disease, you know, the disease. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. 100%. I'm a little too enthusiastic about it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's so cool (laughs) that I get to, I've been, I have patients that are on metastatic breast cancer drugs for now going on since the time I started working at the specialty pharmacy and they're still maintaining their disease free progression. It's so awesome. Like now they've had almost three years with their family. Like it's just so cool. Um, So that's where, but I would say the biggest thing is getting your hands wet, getting in the trenches and then doing tasks, not being like, I am a pharmacy student. I should be doing this. No, you, you should, I was making photocopies more (laughs) and uh, like, I learned from that. So take any little opportunity you get, whether it's you're doing chart checks and you're just looking up your, your preceptor gives you a task. I like to give my students like, um, (laughs) things that I actually need to do myself. Like, like, Oh yeah. (laughs) it, It cuts down time that like I need a t- table on basic monitoring, like simple monitoring parameters for the drugs that we dispense so that we can only focus on those. And I have my students and residents just continue to work on it because guess what? That's what I'm going to do too. Like it's not mundane it's making a table. It's like actually educational and you go through those drugs and you know what to do and you know what you're looking for. So um, I would say, I would say just working, interning, as much as possible um god i mean that helped me out so much on my infectious disease classes was just studying the like seeing seeing the ivs like you know oh yeah no definitely i mean most of them are yeah. IV piggyback in the ho- i mean if not all of them if they're not po are in a piggyback so you're yeah. in the iv room and you're seeing the way that that goes you get familiar with the yeah. dosing you can set if the run rates on there or if you look it up on lexi like you're now more familiar because pharmacists are the ones who get that question all of these things that you learn through these experiences outside of the classroom that are just so important to developing and like moving forward yeah. as a pharmacist and i have one other point and this is what's been telling my yes, um, yes. students and residents is any person can click a mouse button to verify an order but what your what your mentality should be when you are reviewing a prescription reviewing an order wherever you're working in any setting is am I protecting my patient from that prescriber the prescriber and it's not anything on any other profession who's prescribing but sometimes they make mistakes and I like catching mistakes but, and that's as pharmacists, we're like problem solvers and mistake catchers. And oh yeah, you yeah. have to protect the patient from getting this medication inappropriately or in a better dose because of renal function or something that was overlooked. But it's going back to the whole med airs thing, like Swiss cheese effect. Like if you don't it, yes. so you have to, the mentality is, is this appropriate just because someone prescribed it doesn't mean it's appropriate. And so like you have to protect the patient. Yeah. No, I had a preceptor that along the same lines of anytime you see an order when it's you in the verification queue and your name's <laughs> going to be on it, assume yeah. it's wrong. Uh, immediately yeah. assume it's wrong and go find the reasons why it's right. Try to prove to yourself that it's right. Immediately assume that it's wrong and then go show yourself that it's right and then press verify. Because like you said, it's up to us. Like we, anybody can press mm-hmm. the verify button, but not everyone can do that legwork and really apply that knowledge that we are, have been given throughout our training to really make those decisions. And so I think that's a really important point to bring up and important to consider moving yeah, forward. It's just like drug interactions, supportive care, doesn't need to be renally dose adjusted. And that's what pharmacists are there for is to protect, to be that, that double checker. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
Well, thank you so much, Emily. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk of with course, me today. Of course. And that will go ahead and wrap up today's episode. I want to say thank you again to Dr. Emily Hollinghurst for taking the time to speak with me and share with you all some insight into what her life looks like and what it means to be a clinical pharmacist while also juggling other aspects of one's life. And so I want to say thank you to you all for taking the time to listen to this episode and to any of the other episodes you've listened to. It means the world to me. If you ever want to chat or ask any questions, you can find me at the Life on the Farm podcast Instagram. If you could follow on Spotify and rate on Apple Podcasts, that would be amazing as well. But until I speak to you all again, I hope you and your loved ones are staying safe and healthy, and I'll talk to you all soon. Bye.